Welcome back to episode 29 of Brave and Boss, the podcast. On this week's episode, we're talking all about how to take your online e-commerce business in real life without doing wholesale. So let's go. Welcome to Brave and Boss, a podcast for the purpose-driven founder who wants to grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Christy Sumer. I'm the CEO and founder of the Ethical Fashion Line Encircled, a conscious business coach and passionate about helping you break through your limits and build a brand that matters. Let's do this. Hello, thanks for joining me again on Brave and Boss, the podcast. This is your host, Christy Sumer, the founder and CEO of the ethical fashion brand Encircled, which is retailed 100% direct to consumer, and the host of this podcast, Brave and Boss. I know your time is super valuable, so I am so grateful that you've decided to dedicate the next 15 to 20 minutes to listen to this episode, where I'm talking all about how to take that e-commerce product-based business experience in real life without going down the wholesale route. Now, I know this is something very interesting, like it's a really interesting topic to retailers who sell primarily online because selling wholesale is a whole nother ball of yarn, if it, as they say. Um, for some background, myself, I primarily, um, well, I, all, I only do direct-to-consumer with Encircle, but that's not exactly how I started. I actually dabbled in wholesale a little bit when the brand first launched, mainly because people were coming to me wanting to sell my products in their stores. And I thought, Hey, like I'm going to make some money here. This is great. So like somebody's going to give me a $2,000 order. Amazing. That would take me forever to get it online. And what I didn't realize is obviously there are many pros and cons to selling the wholesale route where you're selling to a retailer who's going to put your product in their store and re-retail it. Um, you know, and definitely there's a lot of distribution advantages. So the ability to have your product in front of new markets and to obviously get revenue and for sure get scale if you're going like a more mass market route. However, you are giving away a lot of margin and you're also losing a lot of connectivity to your customer. And for me, because my business is made in Toronto and we use sustainable fabrics and super premium fibers, we just couldn't give away the margin without pretty much doubling our prices. And that would put us out of a lot of like out of reach with our ideal customers. So we decided to go that direct to consumer route primarily for that reason, as well as from a product development standpoint, staying close to the customer is really important to me. But I do value specifically in certain segments such as clothing, um, I think footwear as well, um, jewelry to some extent as well. There's definitely an advantage to having your products in real life. I know for a fact from seeing customers interact with our products and our fabrics in person that the value seems so much there because our fabrics are so amazingly soft and the ability to communicate that online, it's really difficult. So having that option to have like in-person events or in-person opportunities to interact with your products is incredibly valuable to your business. So I'm going to talk about um, a few ways that you can do this without going down that wholesale route. Um, this episode is really focused on like kind of the high level how to, and I'll give you a few tips along the way on how to do it, but I don't want to overwhelm you in this episode. I, I'll definitely do more detailed episodes, probably break up each of these into its own episode in the future to talk more about the executional hows, because otherwise this episode is going to be like 
an hour and a half long, maybe two hours. I could go on forever about this topic. Um, so the first one I'm going to talk about are trade shows. And when I say trade shows, I mean consumer shows. So I don't mean like retail shows where you're selling to like an industry audience. I mean shows that exist already. So for example, um, we do a show called the one of a kind show in Toronto. I know there's one in Chicago. Um, there's, uh, we're doing the make it show in Vancouver and it's basically a show put together of makers and it's generally in a fairly big venue. It's supported by a corporation that's running it. It's very organized. There's a lot of promotion behind it. Um, other examples would be like the green living show or the health and wellness show, um, or outdoor living show. Like these are all kind of like fairly big shows. So generally there's like 200 vendors plus, um, and they're actually very interesting because I find with some of these, if you get into the right one, you can actually be able to reach people. And also, if you come at it from a unique angle, you can also end up in shows where there's not a lot of competition. So an example of a show where there's a lot of competition is the one of a kind show. There's everybody there is a maker of some sort, but there's also people coming there directly to shop. So it's a very targeted experience. Um, but like, say you do the outdoor living show, a lot of uh, those types of shows, you'll get like maybe canoe companies or, you know, adventure travel companies. You may not get a clothing company selling there. So maybe that's a great opportunity. Um, you know, the in general, these shows tend to be a little bit more expensive because they're held at venues that are more premium, such as like convention centers, et cetera, et cetera. But on the pro side, they generally get a lot of traffic. You're not super responsible for driving that traffic because they've generally been around for a while. They have marketing budgets to drive it themselves. Um, but they are a little bit more expensive because not only because of the venue, but once you're in a convention venue, in many cases, they're unionized. So you have to pay certain fees and they have contracts with vendors. So like for electricity, you have to pay a couple hundred dollars. So it's really important to like be able to budget and stuff like that when you um, are doing something like this. But I definitely recommend testing and learning and trying one out. Uh, maybe talk to people in your industry to see what they've done. But any event where there's a lot of footfall, foot traffic coming through is a great opportunity to market your product. We did the Toronto Yoga Show for years, um, and it was great for us, especially at the beginning, because there weren't a ton of yoga clothing vendors. So we had like a really unique opportunity. The next opportunity I would say are markets. And markets for me are smaller versions of trade shows. So they're generally run by somebody um, typically who's involved in the market, or maybe that's like their gig is like organizing markets. But these are generally shows with like less than 20 vendors. Um, examples in Toronto are like the Trinity Bellwoods Flea, um, the Green Market, um, Inland. Like generally there's not very many people participating under 50 for sure, but generally under 20. Um, and these are in like smaller, more indie spaces. Some of them are outside. Um, and they're generally very cheap to participate in versus um, a trade show, for example. So I would expect to spend somewhere between like 80 to $150, $200 for like a booth or a table set up at these, which is pretty reasonable. And you can definitely earn it back as long as there's enough traffic. So again, it comes down to the establishment. So how long has this show been in place and how long has this market been around? Because I've definitely done some markets where the marketing wasn't very good and there was no traffic and I was still a new brand. So for me, it would have been better to be in a market where somebody was a little bit um, had a little bit more established presence and could drive more traffic because traffic will inevitably lead to more sales. 
Um, so, but these can be great starter ideas and it's very popular to have holiday markets at um, holiday time and key themes around different times of year. So markets can definitely work for you, but you will have to do some of your own marketing to drive your customer base as well as other people to these markets to help make them more successful. Uh, the last thing I want to say about markets is they are a great way to collaborate with other brands. So you can meet other makers. I've met some amazing people at those shows who I'm still in contact with to this day. So um, it's a great way to meet like-minded brands and potentially collaborate in the future in other ways. And that leads me perfectly to point number three, which is another way you can sell your products in person without going wholesale. So you could do a retail collab with another brand. And what I mean by that is that you could approach a brand that's non-competitive and doesn't sell your products or, or your category. So if you're a clothing retailer, for example, you wouldn't want to approach another clothing retailer because it probably doesn't make sense unless they're completely out of your category, like they sell menswear and your womenswear. Um, but maybe you, for example, there's a brand here called the detox market and they sell natural beauty and skincare. And if you're like a sustainable clothing brand, it might be a neat idea to do a pop-up with them and pop up in their store. Cause they don't sell your products. So it's not really competitive. And that's a really neat opportunity because they've got that retail space. Um, and you can showcase your products to not only your own customers, but their customers. And generally it works on a basis of a share of revenue. So typically I like to negotiate plans where we give a percentage of revenue back to the store for hosting us. Then it's more performance based and everybody kind of feels like they win. Or you could pay them like a flat fee to be in the store. It's just very hard to figure out what that looks like. Um, so I definitely prefer the revenue share model. Um, and then you want to look to find out what the busiest times of day are and stuff like that. And you'll have to manage your own checkouts. You're going to have to plan for staff to be there to be able to manage that. But it can be a really great opportunity because just think about how much retail space costs. And in some of those like really busy areas, retailers are even trying to find ways to make even more money because the retail landscape has changed a lot. People are definitely shopping more online. They're not visiting malls or anything like that as much. Um, so the more incremental revenue they can generate, the better. So it's kind of a win-win opportunity. So I encourage you to think about what brands retail stores are in your local area um, that would have a similar ideal customer who you can reach out to and pitch this idea to. Literally, that's all we do. Like my assistant, Jess, will go out and pitch them with, um, we'll pick a few brands, we'll pitch them with the concept and negotiate the details and then pop up. Um, and it's been a great way to get into the community, um, share our products and build partnerships and collaborations and yeah, it's just a really win-win opportunity for them. They get a new product in their store that their customers might enjoy that's aligned with their brand. And you get the opportunity to have your products showcased in a high-traffic retail location for a relatively reasonable cost. All right, so the fourth one, and you can see it's kind of moving up in terms of complexity and cost, but um, the fourth one I'm going to talk about is standalone pop-up shops. So a standalone pop-up shop would be different than the one I just talked about because it's only you and you're essentially renting a space, a retail space in real life, um, away from your studio and you're creating your own pop-up shop experience. And this is definitely a more expensive option because you have to pay for the space, but also you have to be able to drive all the traffic there. Ideally, you get a location where there's traffic going already for sure, but at any rate, you're going to have to do a lot of marketing promotion because you're probably a new store there. Nobody knows you're there. Um, so it does take a lot more legwork, but on the 
positive side, you can create the retail experience that you want to create. It's an opportunity for you to create lots of content in real life, which is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, we've done one like standalone, completely standalone pop-up shop at Stacked, which is a shipping container market. And we just did it in May and it was quite expensive. I'll be honest. Um, we probably broke even mainly because the weather was so bad in May in Canada. I did not budget for that, but it was raining and it was cold and it was an outdoor shipping container market. So while our brand was inside, a lot of footfall did not come through and it was pretty new at that time. So I would repeat it, but probably in the summer, uh, when there's more people out. However, um, I would say it's a great experience because you can kind of control the retail experience. What we ended up doing was, um, doing mini pop-ups in our retail shop. So we invited other brands into our shop and did kind of like collapse with them to help drive traffic. Um, and I would say it was pretty successful given the fact that the traffic was so bad and stuff like that. And we ended up meeting new customers and finding um, you know, new brands to collab with and stuff like that. But you can expect to pay at least probably depending on where you are, a couple thousand dollars, um, a week, somewhere between a thousand to 2000 a week to have your store there. And then you have to think about all the fixtures and fittings you have to put in there. And then most importantly, the staffing. So, um, a lot of retail locations will have minimum hours that you're required to be open, um, either defined by the venue or the business improvement association. So you have to cover off all that staffing and just think about if it's only you and your business, you have to hire somebody or figure out how to work that into your day. Um, so that can be a bit of a challenge, um, and a cost as well, but it's definitely a really neat opportunity. And I like it cause it's like non-committal, um, building your own retail store is a huge huge capital commitment. Um, so it's a great way to test new areas of the city and places and stuff like that. Um, and it's something I'm definitely exploring for Encircled more across Canada in the next year. I think we really want to start to do more of these clubs and stand-ups and our stand-ups, oh my God, standalones in different areas. So the fifth way you can sell in person without doing wholesale that I want to talk about is doing your own events at your place. So if you are lucky enough to have a studio, um, this is a great way to take your studio and make it into a revenue generator. And we started doing this at our old studio, which was 600 square feet. Um, and basically we didn't have a really big retail section. So we would invite customers to book an appointment. Uh, we kind of built this like janky change room using an Ikea shower curtain rod that was affixed to the wall that would fall out constantly if somebody pulled on it. Um, and would just like get customers basically like a selection of garments and, you know, have them try on a shopping studio. It was a great way to meet customers. I mean, for us, it was a little challenging. The retail experience was not beautiful because our studio was already jammed. We were outgrowing it. It was like they would try on stuff. They'd be essentially in our kitchen, which was probably very weird for them. Um, and it was not a pretty retail experience, but it was effective. Um, so we did those to kind of like try on appointments. Now that Encircled's in a bigger space, um, we have like a dedicated retail section in the front, um, which we are going to redo, I think, a little bit and invest in it because it's actually becoming a big part of our business. Um, so it looks more like a retail store when you walk in. Um, so that's one way you can use your own studio space to create your own retail experience. Um, you can also host events in your studio. So I never did this until we moved into our current space, which is about 2,300 square feet. 
Um, but I made sure that when we bought furniture, it was all like on wheels and rollable because I wanted to be able to move stuff to utilize the space more effectively. So I think it was probably like two years ago, we had our first event in September and it was basically like, um, a workshop kind of thing where I taught about capsule wardrobes and people came and shopped and it was really, really successful. Um, so we started like repeating these and having speakers and panels and doing like, we did like a conscious creators marketplace somewhat recently, a female founders marketplace. And we started hosting these markets and inviting other brands that align with our values to our space for free to pop up and sharing them with our customers. And that model has become very successful. And it's actually a pretty decent return on investment because for us, it just requires clearing out the office space, having some staffing, having some like beverages, doing some printouts and doing some marketing beforehand. And then customers come. So it's really neat and it's a really great way to meet your customers. And in in particular, when we create our own marketplace, it's a great way for our customers to find new brands and you are the facilitator of that. And then again, as I talked about earlier, that collaboration aspect is really important too. So you know, I mentioned that we don't charge the brands to come in, but, you know, we want to build great relationships with them and collaborate with them in the future. Because if they are like-minded and they serve the same ideal customer, it's a great way to get connected and to build some, some goodwill with these brands as well. So the last way you can sell in person without doing wholesale is your own retail. So this is a level up from having your retail space in your studio. This is making your own permanent retail store. Now I've seen brands like Nixware did this recently. Um, you'll see a lot of the big brands like Everlane who once said they would never do bricks and mortar retail and that was dead. They've opened up stores. Um, Away Luggage has stores. Uh, who else just opened up a store? Province of Canada, which is a made in Canada. Um, like sweatpant brand. Um, a lot of these brands that are direct to consumer online have started to open up physical permanent retail spaces. And again, one of the reasons is in particular with clothing and footwear. Oh yeah. Poppy Barley. I want to give a shout out to them. They're a great Canadian ethical uh, footwear brand and accessories brand. They have two um, stores in Alberta in Edmonton and Calgary, and they're beautiful. If you go on their website, poppybarley.com, you can see them. But I love creeping brands, Instagrams for retail inspo and definitely goals to have like retail stores for encircled. My goal is not to go down the wholesale route. I want to have my own physical retail footprint, uh, which is a weird thing to say for a digital brand. But I do believe that there is still something to that in-person retail experience. But I like the idea of having that retail experience managed and controlled by us so that we can create the experience we want. And for us personally, I know that I want those stores to be more than just retail stores. I want them to be almost like workshops and very experiential. Um, and so when you go the wholesale route, you lose complete control over that. So I think it's a great opportunity to, um, you know, showcase your brand, really show your values and your products and interact with customers and build something unique and also get a lot of press. Like being in retail is a great opportunity to um, show your brand as being more credible. Um, so for Encircled, I don't know when that's going to happen. I mean, maybe in late 2020, we'll take on a retail space, probably in Toronto. Um, but it's something I've been thinking about for a long time because as much as there's a lot of high costs there, there is a lot of value to having that physical retail presence. I do not recommend doing this from the get-go unless you are going to run um, 
your office potentially out of the retail store and stuff like that because it's just so much overhead to take on like the rent and the leases are typically very long for physical retail stores especially if you go into a mall it's crazy um but it's definitely something to think about like take some time after listening to this episode and think about like how you see your path in the future with the brand. Like, do you need physical retail? Does in real life experience even matter to your brand? What would it add to your customer's experience? And what would it take away? Like, is there something it's not for everybody? And that's the whole thing I want to say here is like doing in-person retail isn't the be all and end all for everybody. For, for certain brands, it really does make sense. So try and figure out what that looks like for you and start small. So if you want to start getting your foot in the door on retail, think of if you can use your existing space, can you collaborate with another brand? Can you jump into a trade show? Can you find a market to test? And honestly, not everything's going to be a winner. I've done many markets where I did, zero, not many, but a few where I did like almost zero I think I have one where I did zero sales and maybe a couple where we did like $100. Um, and it can be very disappointing for sure. But everybody's been there and it's really about testing and learning and finding out where your customer is and then using that to build more of those type of events and find those and hone and refine. So those are some suggestions on how you can sell products in person without doing wholesale if there's one that particularly vibes with you, hop on over to Instagram at Brave and Boss and hit me up and share it on the latest post. I'd love to hear what your plans are to take your e-commerce brand in real life. Thanks for listening and happy retailing. Thank you for listening to Brave and Boss, the podcast. If you want to take your e-commerce brand to the next level, be sure to check out my website at christysumer.com, where you can find all the show notes, free resources, and blog posts and principles to help you grow your online store. You can also follow me at K-R-I-S-T-I-S-O-O-M-E-R on Instagram. Find your purpose, make it happen. I'll talk to you soon.